We're about to begin a journey through the cosmos. We'll encounter galaxies and suns and planets, life and consciousness coming into being, evolving, and perishing. Worlds of ice and stars of diamond, atoms as massive as suns. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Breaking, Breaking the, the Stigma. Stigma with Blokes Prosper. As everyone can probably tell, our production has certainly stepped up a little bit. It's a bit better from the last time, but it's all thanks to... Jason Stevenson's meditation. Can't thank you enough for that, mate. For everyone who's listening, make sure you go to the link in our our bio on our socials and check out a guided meditation by Jason Stevens. I've got a fair few friends on them and their feedback is absolutely great. They're loving it. Can't wait to do it. But we've got a special guest sitting at the table with us, Mr. Toddy Jarrett. How are we going, boys? Going awesome. Going good, yeah. man. It's uh, interesting you bring, uh, bring up Jason Stevenson. He, uh, when you mentioned that he was a new partner with the podcast, I had no idea, so I looked up the page and I'd listened to heaps of his, <laughs> uh, the waves, like the alpha, delta waves, the theta waves. Fall asleep music. with? Yeah, to sleep with. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy because, you know, you sort of don't notice the page name, but I've been, man... At least a hundred to a couple thousand of his views would be racked up from me during my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So uh, for everyone listening who doesn't know who Toddy Jarrett is, he's a subconscious mindset coach, a phenomenal man with an even more phenomenal story. He's been through the challenges and has an amazing mental health journey and he teaches me and Austin a lot. We live together. Yeah. For about what, a <laughs> couple months now? Yeah, March? Is it? No. I, th- I think yeah. February. And how February. are you finding Harrison as a, uh, a living colleague? <laughs> <laughs> He's enthusiastic. <laughs> he good. loves to talk about his mission, which is epic. And uh, we have a, a lot of shared values. I think, as we'll speak about today with the, the journey and the story, I guess, uh, that I've been on, it's been a breath of fresh air to have H around. So... No, yeah. it's, it's been amazing having you as a roommate. You've taught me so much already. And if you've taught me one major thing, it's to question everything. <laughs> question things. The analytical mind, and yes. Where it comes from. <clears throat> but no, we've definitely got you on to have a chat about your story today and sort of where that's all started. So take us back. Where, where does Todd Jarrett's journey start? The journey that I guess relates to breaking the stigma and, and blokes prosper really started when I was in year like three or five in primary school. Yeah. Um, the, the, for everyone to, to grasp what's going on. Uh, in year three, I was at primary school, obviously, and I was in, like, I'm from the outback in the country, a little town called Hay, and uh, I was labelled, you know, as gifted. And what that meant was basically I got skipped up a year in, in primary school and got skipped up to year five when the other kids would go to year four. And and uh, what happened then was basically uh, I was labelled as different. Like I didn't fit in with the kids that I grew up with um, or that were in my years prior and I didn't fit in with the kids that I was going into the year group with. Yeah. So I was kind of like this in-betweener, isolated, alienated, and I wasn't sporty, I wasn't athletic, I was just, you know, the smart unco kid. Um, so 
it was actually the the short version of it was it was severe to the point that at 10 turning 11 I was um speaking suicidally to mark my suicidal thoughts and and told her that I'd rather kill myself than go to school and and it was quite a traumatic experience it's actually shaped almost my entire life in terms of um my psychology and my subconscious mind which is the journey that I've been on in in understanding and having awareness and questioning things to to you would say understand myself and And have just a quick question how did you know at a young age like with your mindset processing those things what made you think like that the the suicidal yeah, the suicidal thoughts, thoughts. At, a, at a young age man it's a yeah. it's a very young age to be thinking that so yeah because i know a lot of people at that age might not be able to process what you know death or, or suicide might sort of be for them but to have those thoughts it was it more a way of a way out of those those feelings from those experiences yeah i didn't know how to deal with it and I guess as a kid, uh, dad was away working a lot. So the maternal strength that I really wanted um, to be able to tell me it was all right wasn't there. I had mum and she was that really soft, I should say, that the paternal strength. Yep. The, I had mum there and she was really soft in that maternal way. And it's I didn't sort of what I wasn't looking for. And in coming back to Austin's question, uh, to me I felt... Uh, helpless I felt like the way I explain it is you know when you uh, think of people and they're in the, the dark tunnel and they can't see the light yeah uh, the way I now understand it with the mind is if you think of kind of like a, a train station and there's eight different um, it's like an octagon and there's eight different rails that take away like take off yep. um, and they're all different tunnels you're in the center and everything's dark so there's no tunnel that has light and when people can get beyond suicidal thoughts or all those states of depression it means only just one of those tunnels of the eight needs to have a bit of light and they can they go into that area yeah. they go into that passion or that project or those people and that's what they can kind of grasp onto to get them through so i guess now understanding i was at an age where i i guess i felt i didn't have that and uh yeah that was at that point looking back like i wouldn't have even known how to do it like how to to yeah commit the suicide in that way but it was the fact that I, I can clearly remember speaking to mum about it and, and saying those kinds of things. Um, and, yeah, I guess as I was saying, that shaped a lot of my, my story moving on. I made stories about what it meant to me and what it meant about other people and the journey that it's driven me on. So that's where it, I guess, in that way started. And then it got to the point where during that time I could either stay in my year group uh, in that I was in and continue in the pain, which, you know, when you're in that dark tunnel or you're in that dark space – you, you want to try to get out of it. So my other alternative was at that point um, to go back to my previous year group. And I thought, that'll be sweet. That'll sort that'll everything out. Yeah, I'll that'll be back fix with it. my friends. Yeah. Everyone will stop <clears throat> questioning it and I'll yep. be able to get back where I started from. Yeah, fit in and have that joy again. But it didn't go that way. You, I went back to my previous year group and then you become questioned more. Like, you skipped ahead and then you went back. Like what's wrong with you like what's happened are you are you stupid now are you dumb now like what's going on and then I didn't fit in with those kids because I'd been ahead in a year, different year group and then so it was kind of like I was trying to run away from the pro the problem but it, it made it worse yeah. so yeah from there I, I developed what you would call like a protective shield and that was that well if you're going to bully me for being different and that's what I guess i came to view myself as different like the the kid that really valued the education being being smart quote unquote that 
I was like, if you're going to bully me for being different, I'm going to be really damn different. Like I'm going to give you a reason. And that sort of started to become like, as I understand now, my ego was just like, that's my shield. I'm different. And that's how I am. No one can hurt me if I'm, if I'm so different. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I know we've spoken about this H um, and the, the idea around like when you, you take it as a a shield, as a a piece of pride of armor um, that you want to be different. So then going into high school, it was like when everyone else was getting these kinds of shoes, I remember like Raven shoes or whatever. They were the shit back. (laughs) I would do the complete opposite. Or if like kids were starting to go out partying, I'd do the opposite. Or if, kids were getting tattoos i'd do the opposite i was always when everyone else would go left i'd go right yeah. and that was just me like my protective mechanism being different and then that started to when i went into year nine in into in high school um i started to i guess you would say venture into the personal development journey when i was 14 or 15 and just started looking at what if successful people do why are they so successful and i started to realize well they're the one percent of the world they're different. 1% is different to the other 99%. So then my story shifted from being different is protection. I was like, different is success. I've got to be different to be successful. So pretty much from the age of 14, I did everything I could to be different. I was, you know, commentating at sports events when I was 13. I was um, always studying my butt off for away racing. And then as I sort of was finishing high school, I started um, commentating nationals and managing sports teams and, and race teams and things of that nature, which were, I was always told, and the same thing with my story, that, wow, you're, you're doing such incredible things at such a young age. And that was exactly what I wanted to hear. I was like, yes. So that gave you more fuel to, oh, to even go even harder. That's great. Dude, yeah, absolutely. And that was huge. It was like, every time I heard you're doing so well for your age, it was just like, keep going, keep going, hear that again, do whatever you got to do to hear that again. And then there was one day... I guess this comes through with maybe a couple of years ago when someone had heard what I was doing or where I was at and they asked me my age and I said my age and they're like, oh, yeah, okay. It was literally like being stabbed in the chest. I was like, wait, they didn't say I'm doing so well for my age? Wait, what? what? What's going on here? Like, and it was this huge moment of – it was a massive pain but realisation of that's been driving you for so long yeah. and you didn't get it just then and now you feel empty. And that's when it was like, oh, okay, I see what's been going on here. It's when that, that shield crumbles. Mm. And that's, I think those shields come in a lot of different forms for a lot of different people. But I think I've had a very similar shield to one where you know, I was lab- labelled for being a bit different or being picked on. And I thought, all right, I'm going to be so different and I'm going to be so rebellious and anti-system and... You know, if, if people were conforming to something, then no, there's no way I'm doing that. And I see bits of it now when be out doing things and there'll be a requirement, but my sort of natural way will be to, to do the opposite of or to rebel against. But I think my barrier also was that success, that success shield. If I was successful, then I couldn't be faulted for what I was doing. I had that success element, then I could be that rebellious person. And but no, I'm successful, so I've got a shield. I've got a shield. But in the end, coming to be aware of those things, then thinking that that's the ultimate fulfillment is is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not my true identity. It's not what's <laughs> in form for me. Yeah, yeah, and that's. 
humbling. Mm, I feel that. Mm. Yeah. That's very humbling. I think success comes in a lot of forms as well. Yeah. Uh, personally, like, what fills me is is giving back to others. Yeah. That's that's my form of success. Like, I've seen what it's like to, to live in the Bronx, to see the worst sides of the worst sides, don't get me wrong. And I accept people for what they are and where they've come from, but it all comes down to, I don't know, what they want of themselves. Like, as you said before, there's a, there was a quote, yeah, like, a sick man only wants one wish. Yeah. And like what Toddy said as well, which hangs around over the top of me like big shadow, <coughs> it's success without fulfilment is the ultimate failure. And that's where if you have the wrong things driving, when you arrive... You, you're in the same boat. You don't feel any different. Mm. And Just go around in circles. Exactly. We but continue searching for a feeling within from the external when it can only ever come from within. And it sounds cliche and we hear it all the time, but I guess through the journey that I've been on, especially the last couple of years, I've yeah experienced that firsthand to, to know that. And I know we'll get to that, but it's huge to know for those that are listening that what we just said is is so true that we seek these external, whether it be a material item or whether it be an achievement or a, a status or a place um, or getting that, that title or that name or, or as an athlete, that championship, whatever it is, we seek that and then we get to that point, we have the 24 to 72 hours of high of, wow, this is incredible, and then it's, for some people it's less, it's like, two hours, 20 minutes, and they're like, okay, back to work. We've got to do the next thing. And there's no joy or fulfilment, I guess the word to, as Austin was saying before, like fulfilment for me, which is the, the ultimate feeling of personal success now is serving others, is, is sharing with others to empower them, to raise their self-belief so that they can live the full life that they deserve. Um, so, And that's been your mission for a while now, hasn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. And it, it's come through this self-awareness journey, which... And I feel like just diving deeper, just diving a bit deeper into uh, the brain and the mindset, um, just when it comes to fulfillment as well, like I used to be a pretty materialistic person at, at a stage of my life, don't get me wrong, I do love that stuff, but it doesn't give me that sense of fulfillment. I've actually had to, I don't know, sit and be by myself for months on end to actually understand what I want and what actually I know, provides me with happiness because as you said, like it only lasts a few hours, who knows, and like... You're literally selling hours of your time mm. for that fulfillment. Yeah. But is it really fulfillment? Yeah. No, no, that's a really big part of your mission, Toddy, is getting to the root cause of things, understanding why there's an why that idea of success to someone might be materialistic or mm. uh, an achievement that's driven by a life event that it's mm. not true fulfillment. Yeah, and I know that's been your mission for a long time now. And those who are listening that might be familiar with Toddy, he's portrayed that through his social medias for a long time, and you've used your story as power for other people too. Mm. I'd say as we, as I moved through and and got to those ages where going into to uni when I was sort of, you know, as I was at those ages where I was still getting all of that, that drive from achievement, uh, I pushed myself so hard for the achievement to be the, the young guy that was doing crazy things that you wouldn't hear of and 
Uh, where that really led to was the point where I was working so hard and I wouldn't see my family, I wouldn't see my friends, I didn't have a social life, I didn't go out and party or anything like that. Basically, all I did was work, study and eat. I barely slept. It was probably like three hours a night for the most part of my uni days because I'd be travelling most weekends with commentary or managing the teams or journalism or whatever in amongst training the athletes and and studying at uni that my body started to get challenged. So just the accumulation of stress and I ended up in hospital for a couple of weeks in 2016. How old are you at this age, Todd? Mm, 20. Yeah, final year of uni. I was 20. 20. So yeah. you're 20. And so, like, this is a lot of credit for Todd. Like, can you just explain to the audience, like, so you're 20 years of age, like, mm. what you've actually achieved at that age? Because I know you've said you've, you've done a lot for that age and that's what's actually fueled you. But I'd actually, like, get to know what you actually achieved at such a young age because this is your journey, man. Yeah, I think... Do you mean what, what I had done? What you, what, what you had done. Yeah, well... Okay. <laughs> You're 20 years of age, Toddy. <laughs> okay, 20, back at 20. Uh, well, I started, as I said, I'd, achievements-wise, what I prided myself on, yeah. okay? And I don't talk about these much now because I try not to. So this yeah. is actually challenging me to See, talk about. Before we'd sat down and had a chat with a lot of Toddy's journey, talking about his story now is part of a way of sort of placing him back in mm where he was so it's it's challenging to sort of bring yourself back within it's putting him back in that feedback loop where he's um taking himself out of yeah and there's there's two different parts to it so what what i was uh mentioning to harry earlier and and austin earlier was that this this loop we'll chat about which was health related uh is the challenge that can recur whereas speaking about these achievements isn't as much the the challenge of that side of it more as though i guess i now look back at who i was and and what i was working for and i go dude like i wish i'd you know you look back and you go that's not who i want to be now or who i am now so it's it's in a way i've i've felt so much because i look back and i see all the the uh achievement based on uh, the ego ego driven um and what i mean by ego in that sense is not like uh, the guys that walk around with a big ego, but in the way of um, the sense of ego compared to consciousness. And we would say like our higher self compared to our lower self uh, in, the, in the distinctions between our, like our light and our dark. And I guess in that way, yeah, I was, you know, ducks at primary school and, and then that led to when I was 13 and I got injured with motocross, I started commentating, which was unheard of. Like, dude, my voice was so high-pitched. I remember going to races we've still got videos now and i i was um guest commentating at a national event um which was a big deal when i was 14 and i was like this high pitched squeaky little <laughs> kid and these like 35 year old professional commentators and i look back now and i laugh but so i started commentating and and that kind of i guess grew my my name within the sport of motocross which was my background and then as that continued i would commentate state titles and then nationals and junior nationals and women's and senior nationals and and then when I turned 18, I just was finishing up high school. I uh, got ducks of high school, which was epic. A lot of stress, though. Like, I had so many breakdowns in year 12 by the stress of doing my best because there was pressure there uh, with trying to manage racing when I was racing at the time. 
And then I was approached to commentate the whole national motocross series when I was 18 and manager the national Kawasaki's national motocross team for the juniors. Yeah. And so like I was some of those kids, I was only two years older then and I was having to manage the whole sort of system. Uh, so from then the next year, like I was at uni then, so I was managing the team, training myself, trying to race, um, studying at uni and commentating the nationals. So this is when it really started. Like, I guess you would say it was accumulating from high school, but it was really building. And then the following year, I was I gave up managing the team so that I could focus on my racing in the pro open class in Victoria. But then in doing so, when I sort of took that step back, an opportunity started with becoming a journalist. So then I took on sports journalism, writing um, journalism writing for articles, uh, websites and magazines and things like that with motocross and um, men's health and fitness and things like that. Yeah. So then another load came on. Uh, and then it sort of just continued like that for the next few years through uni. Uh, there was a, a lot of things like going over to the Junior World Championships in Belgium with uh, the Australian motocross team. And, and so how old would you? Oh, I was yeah. 18 then. Yeah. 18? That's yeah. You've, you've, you've achieved a lot from a young age. And it's, that's a crazy, man. It's a round of applause right there to you. Honestly, round of applause. That's, that's crazy. I, I appreciate it. And as I said, like, this isn't usually something I talk about now. Um, it's like past and, and being gone and I sort of focus on, on what I'm doing now. So then I, I came to the, the sunny coast uh, because at this point I wanted to be the best performance coach in training athletes in the world. That was my vision. That was my goal. That was my passion. And I wanted to go to Stanford University to, to work with their athletes in their program. Uh, and the only way to do that, being an Australian, was you had to know someone on the inside. Yeah. And I didn't know anyone on the inside, but I found a way because I was committed, I was determined, and that's how I'd live my life. I was like, there's only plan A, no plan B. And I used to tell that to everyone. And I came up to intern with a, a guy on the sunny coast that had been uh, a coach and an intern at Stanford. And so I came and interned with him, and within sort of like two weeks, he'd said, dude, like, you're good. We like what you do. Do you want to come up here, train athletes, teach at the university? Um, and, and run our like, PT programs and things like that. And at that point, I was very much managing things down in Victoria where I was, and, and I wasn't learning. And that was my whole goal and vision, which was a part of my what was subconsciously driving me, was always growing so that I could be different and be protected, yeah. um, was that I could continue learning up here and continue growing. So I was like, absolutely. So that's what actually brought me up to the coast was, was that. And I literally came straight out of my uni degree. I was enrolled in a master's down in, in Vic, and I exited that to come up here because I knew that this was my passion. And doing my master's was just like a plan B, easy option. I'm already in it. Uh, and so the plan A was come up here, intern, get my, you know, your runs on the field yeah. and, uh, and get to Stanford. So I got to Stanford the following year, which was like life goal achieved. Like that day that I got to Stanford and was there with, with the – the Olympic sports programs, like there was Olympic gold medalists there and, and uh, all different kinds of world champions from multiple sports and just being in that space, knowing that I'd done the work to be there, like I had to know people to get them to contact people on the inside and go out on a limb to make it happen and, and do all of those things. In that moment, I was like, I'm done. I'm sweet. Like It was like reaching... Reaching the nirvana. That's what it felt like at that time. Like, I've arrived. I've done it. And and how did you feel at that that time? That was the high. That was like, (laughs) because I said before, most people are two days to three days on that high. For me, it was like, 
the first four days. And because I was there for a few weeks, the, the first four days were like that, oh my gosh, this is incredible. This is the best thing ever and nothing could topple this. And uh, then, yeah, I came back to Australia and was then at that point, not long after, started developing a business which came from a demand from university students and allied health professionals, which was TJT. Yeah. And that was upskilling and, and mentoring and educating and, and coaching uh, allied health pros, so strength and conditioning coaches or personal trainers or um, physiotherapy students or exercise physiologists and, yeah. and all of that. And that's where a lot of people who might be familiar with you through social media will still, would have seen probably a lot of the start of your content. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... It was around that time when I was... At that point when I was up on the coast, I was teaching at uni. I was running our program, so running our, our business, training athletes in the gym, consulting with athletes online and trying to train myself that I wasn't really sleeping. It was probably continued, like, as I said, for a number of years, probably two to three hours, three to four hours of sleep every night. Uh, and my body started to shut down or crash, yeah. you would say. And again... I'd had two years of being fairly well, you would say, normal, and that's when the health started to challenge me. And, and it was really a roller coaster for six months where I'd had symptoms. And, and the medical diagnosis as we go into this was ulcerative, like ulcerative colitis, which is basically when the immune system automatically attacks your intestines, your large intestine. And uh, for me, it started coming back in around August, September uh, of... 2018 and for the following six months it was a roller coaster of trying medications and them not working and me having reactions that weren't great and and all of these different kinds of things and then I ended up in hospital in and out of hospital sort of the start of that year and then June the end of June 2019 uh 2018 just trying to to check these out actually it was 2019 that I was in there for a couple of weeks and that's when I had to stop everything and that's when very much this journey within started, this inward journey. And the, the summation of, of this over the last sort of 12 to 18 months was that I was in hospital for two weeks, came out and started this healing journey, so to speak, going deeper into daily meditation and, and nutritional changes and dietary changes and seeking different professionals and different, you'd say, healers and, and whatnot. And... Yeah. and then with that, I thought from there, I, the, that's what the answer was. Yeah. But a couple of months later, I ended up in hospital and had a really traumatic experience yeah. where the doctors and surgeons or the, the specialists basically came in and I had a family friend with me and, and my mum was on speakerphone and they basically said in a nutshell, almost this bluntly, You've got stage three pancreatitis, which is basically as severe as it comes. We're either going to need to take your large intestine, so surgery and have a colostomy bag, uh, or if you get what it seems you could have, like with sepsis and whatnot, you could have only a couple of days, if things don't go well, to live. And in now looking back, there was a very small chance that I could have died yeah okay because sepsis obviously is an infection of feces within the, the body and it can kill people but just hearing it 
from the, the surgeons just hearing you could have was like a statement that was just made and it was stuck into my brain. You've got 24 to 48 hours to live and you may not see your family again. They just put you in a new reality is essentially like they've... Yeah, well, yeah. They've, they've definitely uh, left deep marks in my nervous system. Yeah. That's for sure. I'm still, yeah. still working to overcome that now, yeah. still now, and that's 18 months later. Yeah. Um, so then I started going deeper into meditation, so sitting Vipassana courses, which are 10-day silent meditation retreats. And you've just got back from your most recent one too. Yeah, my fourth. Yeah. Yep. And you had, I know, a lot of breakthroughs during that course and mm. I know that's been really significant for your health as well. And having you pass on a lot of the lessons amongst those sittings and a lot of the other experiences you've gone through as well is something that I'm really grateful for because I know that I get to benefit from your experience and have that as as my guide as well because we're very much very similar in the analytical mind and I've built up a, a successful protective shield and sort of being put in my place to understand and have a different perspective in understanding where my true intention should lie and, and where my path leads is has been huge for me. Yeah. It's it's interesting to view it from hindsight in retrospect. Um, because now I can see exactly why I went through what I went through and the next few months or the next really six months of, of twenty nineteen, all I was on the road I from from June of that year. I stopped the business altogether and all I did was focus on going inwardly and it continued through till March 2020, yep. so March last year, and that's when I'd basically uh, got calls from the, the specialists and they'd said, you're what we call, it seems, a non-responder. So I'd been on heavy cytotoxic radiation uh, and infusion medications uh, for, for six or so months and I still wasn't at 100%, which was very, very strange and, and rare. And I felt like at this point I was chained to a ship yeah. and the ship started sinking and I had no way because they basically said, nothing can heal you, nothing can save you except the medication. And obviously for me, from my background in the science, in teaching at university and, and studying in physiology and, and researching flat out, I was like, I'd ask them questions. What about stress? What about sleep? What about nutrition? What about exercise intensity? What about this? And they, the answer kept coming back as, no, that we can't uh, say with certainty that these have any effect or any yeah. of these things. And I had this internal feeling, this gut feeling that, no, you can, you can heal from within. I can overcome this without medication. So on uh, March 28th of 2020 was the day that I stopped all the medication, which was probably one of the scariest days of my life because of what it meant that I was going against everything the guys in the white lab coats had said. And when those guys are the ones that have told you you got 40, 24 to 48 hours to live and that's scarred in your nervous system for that period of time, it's, it's a big thing. And the next two weeks, I was literally touch and go every single night whether I was going to, in my mind, live or die. And yeah. I was writing a letter home to, to my family every single night for two weeks, like, hey, if I don't, brings up emotion now, if I don't wake up tomorrow morning, I love you guys. 
Um, and I'm grateful for everything we've shared. Yeah. And uh, I was very fortunate to reach out to a coach in that time, probably on my, my most challenging day. I thought I was done. I was like, look, I can't live like this any longer. I'd and how old you – sorry, mate. How old, would you, how old were you just here? This was last year. Last so, year, yeah. so. 24. 24. Yeah. And you're hearing that news and – that's in, in implemented in your head, like it's scarred. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy, man. Um, and then we've touched on this a lot as well when we've had our personal chats in the house and having a lot of your identity shaped around being the, the having the shield of being successful <laughs> and the hard worker and I'm, I'm the hustler, nothing, only plan A's, no plan B's, <coughs> then having sort of that part of your world ripped 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 away, ripped from, away you. from you all you're trying to do is grasp onto it it's like you're trying to grab onto the life rope and they're pulling it away from you yeah. that's what life was like for me and would you say that as that was being such a big part of your personality that felt like your purpose at the point in time to be the the biggest sort of achiever in your field absolutely 110 percent. and then so it's like someone's ripped your purpose away from you and at that point, how you know, battling the you know the thoughts of you know what you're experiencing through your health, what did that felt like as well with having your your what felt like purpose at the time ripped away? Like what did that do for your mental health? Just take a minute if you need, man. Yeah. I felt lost as a human. I felt it wasn't, I guess in the, in the way we look at, again, from my perspective now with mindset and psychology and, and all of that side of things, we typically see depression and suicidal, suicidal thoughts when we feel um, helpless and hopeless, which comes from if, it's, if it, we feel that the challenge is personal, so it's coming at us and, and just us in that way, that we can't overcome it, that it's pervasive, that it affects all aspects of our life and that it's permanent, that it can't be overcome. So for me, I, I had a feeling that I could overcome it in some way. So I wasn't at that point where uh, I was, you would say, depressed or suicidal in that time because I, I think it, by that point I developed a strong uh, resilience and A big calister. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And But I, in saying that, it's not to say I didn't feel lost. I was lost. I had no idea who I was, and that comes to what Harry said was when I st the one of the probably what I am the two things I'm most proud of. One, stopping my business and everything I'd ever worked towards building my vision, my dream, what I wanted at that time. Stopping that was so hard. I needed four or five people to say the same answer for me to actually accept it. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to say it myself, and it was just like this is who I am, and this is my plan A this is getting taken away. And then the second was stopping the medication because to me that was like, I'm throwing away the lifeboats. Like, you know, they, they say if you want to take the island, burn the boats, like that was my, I'm going to heal myself. Um, and the mental side of it really has just continued from June 2019 through to when I stopped the medication last year yeah. to the six months of healing down south in Victoria where I was looked after by my family and, and to where I've been, to where I am now, really, it's all been the last two years, and this is where the shift has come in, 
and this is for everyone at home what Harry was mentioning before and Austin before about how I said I'm really challenged at the moment by linking with my stories because I've been consumed every day for the last two years with how do I get healthy again? How do I be healed? How can I live a normal person's life again? How can I actually feel like I get to enjoy life? Because it felt like the last two years had been, I'm living half a life. I'm not a normal person. Uh, and it was, it was literally consumed by that. And that's all it had been. And every single thing I did from the food I ate to where I walked to who I saw to, to, to what I did in the day to day was every single thought was linked back to, is this going to help me or hinder me? Am I getting better? Or is this going to be stealing from my energy to heal? And only recently I've realized that the more I speak about it in that way, my, my journey in that way, the, the couple of psychologically near-death experiences physiologically the first time around i don't think was second time yeah my liver and my kidney were shutting down kidneys were shutting down yeah. so that was legitimately in a very scary place uh, and that the the doctors and the, the guys i was working with were really concerned but as i started to again question myself and look more at the mental health the mindset side of things the psychology it was like if i keep perpetuating this story that this whole two years has been about me trying to heal myself and only looking at it as that then i'm going to continue that and i'm just going to keep reliving that over and over again each day and what i realized was what this last two years has actually been is the opportunity that very few people in their life ever get i haven't really worked for the last two years obviously i'm grateful that i'd worked hard beforehand to be able to do that with my yeah. savings but all i've done for the last two years is meditate journal read and do breath work so all the basic things yeah legitimately like what people might practice a little bit here and there has just been almost every hour of my waking days for the last two years and now i can see it that that's something so rare that people may get that later in life when they retire but getting that at 23, 24 years old and being able to have that level, that depth of experience of pulling away from what we experience as society. I'm really grateful to, to have that depth of experience to now be able to share from this place. Experience to be able to dive inside and you know, not be limited by time with, with work or any sort of outside obligations where you know, a lot of people who might have the opportunity to dive inside or are encouraged to might push that away out of out of fear of unraveling some of those things that have built up their identity or shaped who they are. You know, a lot of people do hide from these things because they, they bring up those emotions that are hard to face mm. and then they are left with being in the horse carriage when think they're in control but but they're really not and those those old patterns and those old stories are, are really the ones that are that are driving you yeah it's i feel what it has brought me to was that when we have these areas of our life that we are committed to our job or our relationships or getting our finances in line or our sport or whatever it may be, they, they pull most of our attention. And when all of that is stripped away and taken away, you have nothing to think about except what is within. It's true. And 
that's to, to me very monk-ish, very recluse uh, style, and yeah. that's that's what they do. They strip everything away so that they can go as deep as possible within, internally, to understand the truth within. And that's what I can see now is this last two years has been that that kind of experience of there's been nothing to think about externally and all I've done is go within and that's, you would say, I've realised through this, my purpose, my mission in life, what I've been put on the face of earth to do is to share the experiences that I've had that have accumulated from the knowledge that from my study and research linked in with what I've not had to, Nelly said it, (laughs) got to experience firsthand through these this this health journey those experiences that i had in questioning life and death and accepting both and and uh how that shaped my view of things and i guess you would say uh the word i would use to to simplify it would be the the wisdom around why we do the things we do and it's it's led me to a lot of profound and deep realizations around human psychology that can't be learned from a textbook that can't be learned from a session they're things that I've gone through when my identity, my who I was, was completely stripped away. When all I ever wanted was pulled from me and I had nothing to, uh, no say over what I could in that time, could and couldn't control in what was being pulled uh, from me is how I felt. And when that was the case, I realised that, and this comes in with the mental health, but also the mindset, the, the psychology, that... We have our actions and they're on the outer outer surface. And in the, the sense of actions, and I'm going to explain this to everyone for a moment because this is, is one of the most profound insights I've, I've come to know and I've developed a system around this now, which is what I work with my, my clients on personally and I take them through and I've implemented myself. And that is we if you think of like a target and the most outer layers are the most superficial. So... They're the easiest to do, but they also have the least kind of change, the least weight to them. So the outer layer is our action. So we say, oh, okay, well, uh, I want to get more fit. I'm going to go for a walk. So they go for a walk. That's an action they've taken, okay? Below action is behavior. Now, behavior is, you could just say, uh, a more habitual or regular action. So something that you do a couple of times a week. It's it's, um, more consistent. So that might be, okay, I'm going to walk three times a week. To get healthy. I'm going to cycle to work two out of five days. Yeah. And it becomes a behavior rather than just a one-off action. Yep. And it becomes, in some ways, more uh, automated within our nervous system. Under that, we have beliefs. And this is where a lot of psychologists and, and you'd say mindset coaches and, and uh, professionals that I've been to personally uh, work at the level of, at beliefs. And that's um, changing how we view ourselves and our view of the world. So, for example, if we want to make a deeper change, so we're going down in the layers and we're at the level of beliefs, uh, the belief could be shifting the belief that I'm an unhealthy person to um, I'm a healthy person or there's no point in walking or walking is good for me. Really simple uh, in that way. And when you shift the belief, what you start to notice is that your behaviour aligns with your belief and your action aligns with your behaviours. So as you turn these gears deeper down, it shifts everything. So it's kind of like you when you change an action, you only change an action. When you change a be- belief, you change the belief, the behaviour and the action. It's yeah. a good way to put it and a good way to, to view it. 
Yeah. Um, I've never th- I've never thought about it like that, but I have at the same time. But yeah, not into a visual perspective as 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 you've shown me. So. Well, you hopefully will enjoy the next part then because yeah. we're going deeper. <laughs> and this is and just uh, with with that belief stuff as well. I, I do see it as it is a very big part to play in a lot of a lot of people's lives with perspective. It does sound a lot easier said than done, mm. but it it really is when you uh, get down deeper into the mindset. I see. Yes, but please, man, keep explaining <laughs> what you're about to tell me. I'm excited. And with that, what Austin just said is 100 percent true. Sounds easy easier said than done for the most part there are ways that we can we can hack the subconscious which is i guess what i've learned to do through my experience and just when you're saying with the belief um when it comes to talking as well as you said like you if you're saying you're bad at something you will be bad at something yeah Mm. um when you talk i see is when you talk you cast spells Mm. so i see you got to kind of watch what you say in a way because you're letting the universe know who you are what you want and it will give it to you if you're actually going to speak it out in there. So spelling, you, know, you kind of shorten it down. When you talk, you cast spells. Um, example, I'm bad at something. You're telling the universe you're bad at something. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's a good way to put it. <laughs> yes, casting spells. I like that. I'll tick that down in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, beyond beliefs, we have values. Now, the reason for this is because we might have 10,000 beliefs. But most humans only have a set of, we might talk about primary values, three to 10 values in general, maybe 50 primary values that we hold true and and deep to ourselves. So it might be that you value health. So then your belief is that exercise is important. Uh, Good nutrition is key. Supplements are uh, needed in training. You know, getting my vitamin D is uh, important. You know, doing my gratitude and so on and so forth. These things surround the value of health. Yeah. So we have these values, and they then determine our beliefs. Our de- beliefs determine our behaviors, and behaviors to actions. So we've gone down, and there's only been two primary coaches in the world that I've. Uh, been to and, and learned from in the work that go to the level of values for change. And so far that's been um, at this perspective, I should say, is Tony Robbins and John D. Martini. Now, most people that have been to them uh, use kind of uh, implementations and, and slight variations to, to those value systems in how they speak about things. But they're two that um, speak about them in a very big way. And I know I've been to a lot of other coaches that might talk about, say, values or beliefs, but they're using the exact same uh, system or method that they've learned from those guys. So I know they're kind of like two key um, facilitators of that level. What I realised from the personal experience that I had was when I was down in Victoria last year in 2020, I had no idea who I was, no idea. No idea what I was doing. All I knew about myself really at the core level was like I have a rental like that I'm, I'm staying in up on the Sunshine Coast and my family lives in Victoria. That's about all there was to Todd Jarrett, like everything I'd ever been before, the business, the identity of, of the, the image that I was portrayed as, what I did on social media, the people I caught up with, the friends, gone. Every title just stripped. Everything was gone. And so that's all it was. And I kept coming obviously at this point. I've been on this deep journey for probably 12 months already. So there's a lot of deep questions going on within me. And as I'm doing more and more deeper meditation and deeper breath work and and that accumulating in more realizations, I kept coming back to the question, who am I? Like, 
who am I? And not in the way of like who I am I in a, a, so to speak, like a spiritual or physical body sense. I get that. But who am I as a person? Who am I as, as Todd Jarrett? Who is Todd Jarrett anymore? And what, what does he stand for? And, and then it would be like, I try to work out who I am and there wasn't anything substantial there. And I had this, this particular day and I was like, I haven't changed my values. I haven't changed my beliefs. I haven't consciously changed any of these things. Obviously, my actions and behaviours have changed because I'm laid up in a bed. I can't move myself. I have to be sat upright by my parents to eat food. Um, at this point, I was immobile for six months. I was literally bedridden for six months. It was, it was quite a, an extreme time. But none of those things I'd consciously changed. And I'd been listening and, and reading, obviously, through this time to all different books. And, and a number of things came together at once different systems, different principles, different methods and ideas. And it dawned on me and it was, there's something below values and it's our identity. And our identity is who I am. And the reason that I had no idea who I was was because my identity had been stripped. And what I realised is that we can recreate who we are in our identity And that sets everything from the outside of it, the values, the beliefs, the behaviours, the actions, automatically in a line with our identity. And as I said, I've developed a a method and system around this of how to ensure this works for people in a step-by-step way and with things that they need to go through and, and, you know, you tick off day-to-day in the process. But... The most powerful part about it is that a lot of people try to change what they do, but who I am creates what I do. If you see yourself as I'm an unhealthy person or uh, I'm a negative person or I'm a, you know, that I'm a smoker, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a, I'm a fighter, you know, I'm an athlete, you'll notice that subconsciously all of their beliefs or their values, their beliefs, their behaviours and their actions are aligned with their identity. And they don't need to consciously try to shift any of those. They shift in alignment and they are created in alignment with their identity. So who I am creates what I do. And that plays out in every aspect of our life. And so in the side of mental health and let's say mindset, we can recreate ourselves from the core. And I mean that from the core. And I can say this with confidence. I can vouch for this as well. So... (laughs) <laughs> I can vouch for this. It's literally like a reset on life. Uh, think of your, your brain as a computer, yeah? Yeah. And you can just reprogram it to, to think and be whatever you wish to be. Mm. Sounds easier said than done, yeah? <laughs> yeah. It is easier said than done, but like Toddy said, you, you change the identity, yeah. you change the who I am, those, those things follow. Mm. You know, from 
someone from a mental health perspective, you know, if you deep down truly believe I'm someone who can't be happy, mm-hmm. I'm not a happy person. And if you if you struggle with things like anxiety or or depression or PTSD and I'm someone who has I am someone with depression forever. That's me. Yeah. I am depressed. That that's the one. You're, I am yeah, I am you're, depressed. You're telling yourself that it's it's going into your belief system it and mm-hmm. becomes ingrained in you then when you start to move out that the actions follow, the beliefs follow and you continue to be the I am depressed. Mm. And that's where Toddy's analogy of when you change the identity, all those things change is with the gym ropes. Mm. And Toddy explains this the best too. <laughs> this is every time Toddy's identity system and has, has shaped a lot of my perspective now and, and when these things do come up for me, I, I think about the gym rope. Do you want me to? Yeah, gym please, rope. please explain. <laughs> I haven't, yeah. I haven't okay. heard the gym rope. We've got a cliffhanger here. We should just hold the suspense. No. Yeah. So uh, I want you to imagine a gym battle rope. So you know how you've got the, the plastic handles on the end that you hold on to? Oh, the ones you see in those motivational videos, yeah? Yeah, yeah like people. Yeah. Yeah, I get yeah, you. One arm at a time. <laughs> Riding invisible horses. <laughs> yeah. So for those at home, it's those the ones that have like, let's say, the, the 10 big cords wrapped around each other. And they make that that big rope. Also like the gymnastics climbing ropes. So within that gymnastics climbing rope, when you actually look at it, there's like, let's say 10,000 or 100,000 threads. We'll use a number for the moment of like, the, there's the, the 100,000 threads. There's the, the 10, um, there's the, the 10 big outer layers that connect together. And then within those 10, there's another 10. And within that 10, there's another 10 and another 10. And so you've got microfibers. Yeah. So people living their life at the moment, let's say they have a black gym rope and they go, I want a blue gym rope. What they're trying to do with the level of, let's say, the action is they're trying to grab one of those 100,000 fibers and they're trying to pull it out of their black rope and then wind it all the way, a new one, a blue one, all the way through that gym rope from start to finish. And they get to the end and they've, they've taken that action, but the gym rope's almost completely still black. Like, oh, okay. Then we go to the level of behaviours, okay? And then we've got uh, the equivalent of 10 of those little fibres. So still it's like one in 10,000 of the, the gym rope that they're grabbing and now they're going, okay, I'm going to try to make the gym rope blue now. So they pull out one of those and as they're pulling that out, they're going, okay, righto, behaviour's changed, so we're going to get a, the new rope. So they're putting their, their uh, winding this blue thread back through the whole gin rope. And you can imagine how much time and effort that takes. Exactly what we say, easier said than done, yeah? Than done. If I said put one blue fibre through that, you'd be like, easier said than done. This is what I mean and this is exactly the principle playing out. So... We have one of those, so then the behaviour. So we're changing one of those 10,000 threads. Then from there we go to the belief. So that's like grabbing one, the, the next bunch. So it's one in a 1,000, okay? So 
within the, the big group of, let's say there's one whole rope, then you've got 10 big pieces within that 10. There's a, within one of those 10, there's another 10. And then the same thing, there's another 10 within that. They're at this level now with the beliefs trying to pull those out. And as they're pulling those out, they're going to, same thing again, replace it with a blue. Trying to get, they want to be the blue gym rope. But they're doing this with so many times over with the blue thread trying to make this black rope into blue. The amount of time, the amount of energy, the amount of effort and how arduous it is, people get burnt out. And that's how many people are trying to change their life because they're trying to change at their belief level and they're doing this over and over again. It does work, but how long does it take? For some people, it's their entire lifetime and they're still not there. They're working on it, but they're not there. So then we go to the next layer in and we get to below beliefs. We've got the the values. And let's say we've gone from the, the 100. So now we've got the big 10, okay? So we've got the 10 big pieces that make up the whole rope. And they grab one of those and the same thing. They pull out the 20 meters out of the whole rope of it, of the black, and then they go and grab a blue and they've got to wind that through the whole 20 metres and they have to do this with all of their values. Now, again, as I said before, values can range anywhere from primary 3 to 10 to up to 50. So they might need to do this 50 times and that is, again, a long, drawn-out process and they're having to do this with each and every one of these threads. Identity is like, I want a blue rope. I'm going to go and get a blue rope and that's my rope now because it changes everything in one. So we have the black rope that they've been trying to pull all of these threads out one by one, one piece at a time and continuously doing that. The, the principle of changing your identity is literally becoming aware that you have a black rope going, what do I want in the, the blue or what do I want to, to have as the blue rope? And you go, well, I want the blue rope. And then you go and literally pick that up. And you've got yourself a blue rope without having to do all of these things because now think about it, within that blue rope, you have the 10 pieces of values. Within that, you have the 100 beliefs. You have the 1,000 uh, behaviours. And within that, you have the 10,000 actions. They're all changed within the identity. And I've been on the journey of changing my beliefs for quite a number of years. And then I'd gotten to the point where I was on the values. So I'd gone that next layer, layer deeper. And this is where I say that I've, I'm blessed to have gone through what I did with having my whole life pulled away from me and stripped away from me because it enabled me to see that there's something below values and that's our identity. And when we get clear on what our identity is now and what we want our identity to be, not what we want to believe, not what we want to believe. What it actually is. Yeah, like. who I am. When you get clear on who you want to be, what you want to feel, how your days are in that way, that's when you make a change. Because the beliefs can be external. They can be the world around us. They can be like views on, on people, places, locations, experiences. They're external. Identity is solely on who I am. And when you shift the who I am, as I said before, it shifts every gear on the outside. It turns every single cog as a result. It is the linchpin. Going down to the, the core of the roots, really. Absolutely. That's good. And It's a very good way to put it like that. It's a very good way. Thank you. <laughs> still, uh, there's still, you would say in that, 
that aspect of it. I know that there's a better analogy. I just haven't got to it yet. I can feel it. There's something under there that's easier. But the gym rope works in, in that way of how many, you know, when you pull that apart, how many threads there are to make up one rope. And that's the same thing. People are trying to pull out one thread at a time, change one belief at a time. And it takes them years on years on years. And you know how hard it is that most people listening to this will have tried to change a belief. And you know, you might do it for a couple of weeks and then you're back to your old ways. It is so hard to do in that way. It can be really challenging. Um, and then there's times where with the mental health side of things, you know, as you guys would know from these experiences, there's times when, you know, when you try, you're in a, a challenging place and you try something and it doesn't work, you feel like you've kind of used up one resource. And then if you try another thing and that doesn't work, you almost feel like you're running out of options. Yeah, yeah. That can happen with trying to change beliefs if you're not seeing the long-term lasting change and that's how i've developed this identity system is based around three key resources and processes that when linked together do the work for you and it's changed my life so dramatically and i'm very grateful to say that i've been able to see it change the lives of the people that have implemented it in hugely radical ways and this is why I know that I've been put on the face of this earth. This is what I know I am here to share and I'm here to do. And it enables people to be reborn, to recreate their life, to, to have been in the places where they've been brought up in the challenges, as you said before us, with the yeah. being brought up in like the, the principle of the Bronx and the challenging places, if people that have been through anxiety or depression or, or bankrupt or divorce and they're in those places they're in challenging places at the moment and they've tried so many things and it's as though they can't get that shift or they can't get to that next step. It's because there's so many things that in a way it takes to get to that point because there's so many areas of their life. As we said, the subconscious kind of um, filters them all. And the way I speak about the subconscious is like, it's like the lens we look through. A champion has gold colored lenses. Someone that's really struggling life in life has like gray lenses and everything they're seeing is colored gray. So all aspects of their life are in that sort of gray color. Mm. And because it tints everything according to what our subconscious is driving us with. And the identity system is able to change that lens in one process. And I've never seen that in any other program coach or course I've been fortunate enough to experience in the past and sitting here brings me so much excitement that's good and, yeah. I, and I, you can hear it in your voice and you can see it in the way you're sitting you're about to jump out of your chair he's he's smiling <laughs> a lot right now but no it's it's awesome and you know you've started to bring me through that identity system and being able to change that gym rope rather than start from the threads mm. and the threads was was where i was at previously yeah. except i thought i was getting better and better at pulling out these threads and i was ripping them out and trying to pull them through and and then after a little bit i'd be burnt out mm. and i'd feel back at back at square one yeah. the, the threads i'd changed had, had filtered their way back into the middle of the rope and i couldn't see them no more i still had that black rope I needed the blue one, whereas now I've started to swap that rope out and begin that journey of, of a blue rope person. Yeah. 
Blue Rope Team. Ooh, Blue Rope Team. <laughs> Let's go. But uh, I see it as a, an understanding. It's like you need to understand what you can and what you can't control. Mm. And what you can't control is everything outside your box. Yeah. And a lot of people, what they... I know if, if things aren't changing for them, I do think you have to, in a nice way, you do have to take a step back and you say come down to the core roots of like, if, if it's not changing for me, mm. what do I need to change? And that is you and what's in yourself. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the rope analysis, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Team Blue. It's awesome. Yeah. I think in saying that for, for everyone listening, it's, it's knowing that if you hear this, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's me, then you're ready. If you take action yourself, you know you're ready. It's it's to know that there's some people in their time that aren't ready to make that big shift, and it can just be planting the seed for them, letting them know that, hey, if there's a time when you feel like you want to try this or or go on this journey for yourself, then then you can. But that's one thing I've I've needed to learn myself is that, I want to help and I want to serve and I want to see people empowered and have yeah. self-belief and doing the things that they want to do and I get so passionate about it and when people aren't ready, I go, oh, no, what have I done wrong? What and I go, yeah, so hard on myself and, and it's remembering that, hey, sometimes it's it may be a little bit more for them too. Like they might go through a little bit more before they're ready or they want to do it a different way and that is absolutely fine. Um that's it's funny you say that on when you just uh when it comes to reading books as well like some of the books you do read it says you know you're ready when you pick this book up (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you're here for a reason so he's already if he's uh listening to his podcast right now that's where i'm a really big believer of the right teacher will step in when you need it Mm. the what you need will always come to you and Toddy's been that ultimate teacher for me. He's stepped in it. It's been pure fate how we've how we've met. And since our journey of living together and ultimately finding out that he is my my guider, my my Yoda to my Luke Skywalker. And the young Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm an ultimate believer of you will f- the right person will step into your life when you need them the most. Yeah, and that's true. You know, not just persons, but or people, I should say, but you know, books and you know, different lessons will always happen when you need them. And you know, as long as you are, are right in your identity and, and you know who you are, then you know you will always learn from those things and and take out what you need from them. So if, if I can put in one thing, I want to make sure I say this before whenever we finish the podcast, and that is this, for everyone listening, if you have been trying to make a change in your life, consciously trying to do something, create that level of wealth or get that exercise routine or change that dietary uh, side of things to, to lose some body fat or whatever it may be or, or create that relationship, if you've been trying and it doesn't happen over time in the way it might be like some people call it self-sabotage or things aren't lining up the way they should, it's because of the identity. The identity is the root. Now, if we change the identity, we change all the layers above. And so that could be in the, the sense of if you're wanting, so many people have financial goals, 
and they have these these huge conscious financial goals. But if they're deep subconscious and we think the deepest part of the subconscious being who I am, our identity, it says something different to our conscious goal, we are programmed to not be able to achieve that conscious goal because as I've said on social media to many people, when your subconscious is 40 million times stronger than your conscious and you're trying to achieve that conscious goal and you've got 40 million people fighting against one, you know which one will win in that way. So it's not about being hard on yourself that I'm not achieving this, I've got to work harder because that was me and that's what led me to my health issues. And that's what's led me down this journey to realise this, that, hey, it's not the belief, it's not that you're not trying, Toddy. You're doing your best, you've worked your butt off, you've nearly put yourself in the ground a couple of times for this. It's because you had a deeply rooted subconscious identity that said otherwise. And when I was able to shift that, I know we talk about manifestation or the universe or the law of attraction or, or things coming to us in the right time. I've never seen more things flow to me in, you could say, divine timing, in synchronicity, and in other words, coincidence yeah. in my life than in the last six months since I've developed and implemented this system with myself and hearing it, the same thing from those that have implemented themselves, it's been profound. So again, it's... If your beliefs, if you're tracing something and it's not coming through, don't be hard on yourself about your belief. Ask yourself, where in my identity am I not believing it or seeing it in myself? Yeah. And if you have a question, reach out to me on socials and I'll do everything I can to help in, in message and whatnot. Definitely. And what, is, what does life look like now as Todd Jarrett with the different gym rope? How's life been and what does life look like? Should see the smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> The saying you said before, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, which is why we have billionaires around the planet committing suicide regularly because they get to the point where they feel they've got everything that should make them happy and they're not. To me, I used to live my life based on achievement and I felt afterwards I was empty and I would push every single day and get to the end of the day and want more and consistently want more and it never be enough where i'm at now i'm fulfilled every single day and it's incredible I'm it's, right it's, with you, brother. it's the most amazing <clears throat> feeling whether i'm sitting being i'm meditating i'm at the beach i'm doing what i love to do in serving people i feel fulfilled in the present moment and that's the answer i was always seeking from before in the external but now I have it from the internal because I've created my identity around fulfillment. And that is 100% not to say that I've got it dialed and I'm perfect because I stuff up more than most people. And I still have plenty of subconscious patterns and programs that are being rewired as we go through this. Yeah. But the level of fulfillment that I have where I can sit and be, I used to freak out at the thought of sitting down and watching a movie. I couldn't do it. If I was with family, I'd leave and I'd go and do my work or go and train or whatever it was. I feel where I'm at now, I th for most people I feel the answer in, f in life is what they're seeking in their external is fulfilment. And if you can create that from within, you don't need to do anything anymore externally to have that feeling. It definitely does it for you subconsciously. Yeah, so. yeah that's the identity does it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like and if you can create that feeling in your life as early as possible. It Sooner the better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I wish I... I've got taught this, I don't know, maybe when I was a bit younger because my life right now would be a lot different. But yeah. 
But that's part of the journey. That's part of the journey. I wouldn't get to meet you boys. So no, but you know, a lot of a lot of people don't wouldn't say arrive, but get to that point in their life where that perspective of fulfillment changes, and it happens unfortunately at you know the the back end of their life when you know they're they're approaching their last years, and you know they say, oh, where would I be if, if I had that at the beginning of my life? Where would I be if you know I'd I'd known what I know now back then? How would my life be different? And you know, for your journey being so profound and having that those experiences and understanding where your fulfillment comes from is you know amazing. And for you to be able to share that with us and with everyone who knows you and and follows you on social media, it's it's amazing and I'm extremely grateful for what I've been taught and very, very grateful. Todd has been to hell and back, but he is back. <laughs> and he, he's better than ever. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you speak and uh, let the world know your journey, man. It's uh, inspiring and uh, I hope uh, a lot of others do take it on board with what you said and the knowledge that you've given. So it is very, very powerful because words... So words are very, 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 very <laughs> powerful thing. Uh, without words, how could you really express your emotions? Coming back to what you said before, it's casting spells at the, spells, at the spells. deepest level. Yeah, and this is what I'm here on earth to do. It is to serve people, to share with people, to help people, to realise that they don't need the external, to have the feeling that they've been chasing all this time. They can create it from within. And it's not a cliche. It is achievable. You just need some tools. And the reason I've gone through to hell and back is to discover these tools. And that's why I guess in a way I can look back and be blessed that I've gone through what I've gone through and I'm grateful for it because it enables me to share with others and empower others for their lives to be fuller. So It's just uh, everyone lives our different experiences and you can just... uh take lessons from all of them and uh, not fall in the, the same way <laughs> as others do. <laughs> so yeah. uh, very, very uh, powerful and touching story, man. Thank you, boys, for having me. No. No worries. I uh, can't thank you enough. And Round of applause for Toddy. Yeah. Round of applause. I don't know which button to press. And I don't <laughs> want to hit the wrong uh, one. Let's hit the green one. Let's hit the green one. <laughs> no, no that's not it. We still are new to all this. Yeah. And then where can everyone find you? Uh, on Instagram, Todd underscore Jarrett. And on Facebook, Coach Jarrett is uh, the, the two pages. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. I'm most active on, on Instagram. You'd say in the day-to-day, I'm always sharing up stories about mindset and psychology. So if you want anything in this, that's where I'd say jump on there. And then also if you want, shoot me a message. I'll do everything I can to, to audio people back and whatnot. And everyone's going to be seeing a lot more of Toddy, especially on the Blokes Prosper yeah. page. Yeah. Got a lot of important messages to share and some awesome content to come out. And we're really excited to have you on board. I'm excited to share some some info on mindset and psychology and mental health and all of those sides of things. So I appreciate it, boys. Get ready, guys. You're going to rewire all your brain. Get ready. <laughs> Amazing. Once again, Toddy, Woo. thank you so much. Absolute we're extremely pleasure, grateful man. to have you on board on the podcast. It's been amazing. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And thanks to Jason Stevenson's Meditation for sponsoring us, as always. 
And for now, keep on prospering. We're about to begin a journey through the cosmos. We'll encounter galaxies and suns and planets, life and consciousness coming into being, evolving and perishing. Worlds of ice and stars of diamond, atoms as massive as suns.